man, what a great day. I can't believe I am here with Pastor Michael Miller. Come on, baby. I can't believe you're here. I am here. Upper the room. upper room. Upper you're room. here. The we are in the room upper room. In Dallas. <laughs> and uh, thanks for spending some yeah. time in Unscripted. Uh, and and I, I just, we've we, we become friends the last year or two. And uh, I have so enjoyed our friendship. Our, our, our bird hunt. Yeah, our bird hunt. Bird hunting. Yeah, we One bird morning. hunted. You, That's you, right. You show me the... The tricks of the trade. Man, well, it, it's interesting that you and I met in a relational setting that uh, Steve Robinson put together, and a lot of a lot of our friends were there, some new friends mm -hmm. that were there, and, and we were paired to hunt, and we just felt a connection. I, yeah. I've so admired and so respected Upper Room and you and your wife and your team here. Uh, I like that we're sitting this way mm -hmm. in your facility because a lot of people do go online, and you you guys lead, encourage, inspire help, pray, uh, worship, preaching, prayer happens here. And a lot of people see it from this angle. So I think it's neat that we were able to put it yeah. like this. So thanks a lot for spending yeah, some time. Yeah, thanks for you. coming, man. It's an honor. Well, tell us a little bit about the story. Well, yeah, you know, Upper Room, it, it was probably the most unconventional church plan. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You kind of stumbled into a church plan. It began as a prayer meeting. Uh, as the crow flies from where we're at, this isn't our original building. Uh, about a mile from here. It's the homosexual district of downtown Dallas. And there was a business owner that invited me to host a prayer meeting on What were Sunday you doing nights. then? I was in the marketplace. I had just gotten married. Yeah. Uh, we were at a year into marriage. We were at a crossroads in ministry. So I'll, I'll celebrate 23 years wow. of ministry in August. Yeah. So I started in 2000. Thank you. 23, Michael Jordan. Come on. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, so we, we started this prayer meeting thinking I was going to apply maybe to a church or we yeah. thought maybe we'd plant a church, but that wouldn't be the neighborhood we would pick. And we had a history with prayer. And uh, this invitation just lined up with our heart's desire. And we thought, let's start praying. Uh, we did it Passover of 2010. Okay. And I only thought we would go seven weeks. Sure, sure. To Pentecost. Like yeah. I, could, I could commit that long and then we would maybe plant or you know, see where the Lord would lead us. But man, there was this grace on those prayer meetings in right. the early days. Yeah. Uh, God started showing up and a small group of people uh, really bought into building community around prayer and the presence of Jesus. And uh, things started forming. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't a church. I didn't call it a church initially. Right. It was just a prayer meeting. Yeah. But when people started moving into that area, People that lived in the suburbs oh, okay. really felt prompted, like God's doing something yeah. here. We want to expand the prayer hours, maybe from a night to multiple nights or maybe morning prayer. And so we just started experimenting what community looked like around prayer in right. that neighborhood. And we had this building. And so uh, I was doing marketplace during the day and then ministry at night and just kind of piecing it together as we went. But I, for the longest time, said, no, this isn't a church plant because I didn't want to commit to that neighborhood. It just, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a suburbs guy, like send me to the burbs. Yeah, yeah. I know the problems of the burbs, but here, no strategy that we would employ to reach that community was working except prayer. Yeah. That's all we needed to do was to pray. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, there's a lot to that, but it, it was an initially a prayer meeting. You know, we, of course, you know, I get to be a part of ARC where we plant churches, get to have a lot of conversations about different communities, the different cities. of church planting, know, Different man. things like that. And, um, you know, our launch training, a lot has changed in 22 years. But the, the, the initial first lesson, first, first topic, first value is you've got to win the battle, fight the battle, discover the battle in prayer. Mm. First thing of our, that's the one top, I mean, you know how you'll shift around a teaching, you'll move yeah. some things around. That's been the first thing we've talked about for 22 years to every single church planner that's ever kicked the tires around art mm -hmm. is win the battle, fight the battle, sustain the battle, discover the calling, all in prayer. Mm -hmm. Give, if, if you were standing at a, a, at a coffee shop and somebody tapped you on the shoulder and said, man, you're the prayer guy, uh, what does it mean to pray? What would you say? I think a word like prayer is very elastic. Exactly. So yeah. to define prayer was really important in the early days for me that when I say the word prayer, my community knows what I mean. Right. And when people in the upper room hear prayer, it's synonymous with the word relationship. Wow. So prayer is relationship. It's us being in relationship with him. And then one of the things that, that bothered me, maybe too strong of a word, but there was, there was friction in my soul around Jesus' description of his house. 
And he said, my house yeah, will be right. a house of prayer. So the defining activity would be prayer for his people. And I, as an individual, had a value for prayer. I had a, a massive value for quiet time, but I didn't know what that looked like corporately. Yeah. I didn't know what it would look like to gather people to pray. So I think prayer has been seen as a discipline. Like, man, you gotta be disciplined and you gotta pray. And so we see it as an activity that we do. But what I learned in those early days, because the neighborhood we were in, is that prayer was more than activity. It, 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 it really became a culture for us, a culture of prayer. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think another thing that goes in tandem with prayer is the presence, the yeah. presence of Jesus, that, that prayer is a vehicle to a person. Yeah. That prayer isn't, it's not, you know, we, we have models, we have, we have things that we employ to pray, but... Yeah, like but, some tools. Yeah, 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 but all of those are unto engaging a man. They're yeah, unto engaging good. a person. And so uh, prayer at the upper room has become a culture. It, right. I think as, as church planners, you define the culture from, from the get-go, mm -hmm. like, and, and it top down. Yeah. What, what you value, your people will value. And so uh, I, I didn't, when we planted that church, think, wow, we're going to be a praying church. I, I had all these other... Uh, skills and thoughts about what this church should look like, but because of the neighborhood, my sermons weren't working, uh, my evangelism tactics weren't working, and so the Lord spoke this phrase to me that really reframed ministry for me, because uh, I was kicking him. I was, I was kicking him, <laughs> like, like, Lord, you found the wrong guy, right. you put me in the wrong neighborhood, and I felt the Lord speak to me this. I felt like he said, son, I, I, I didn't call you down here first to minister to people. I called you down here first to minister to me. Right. And I thought, minister to you? What do you mean? And I went on this journey theologically, understanding uh, how our worship moves the Lord and, and, and what it means to minister first to him or first love. Sure. Like, like, what does it look like for us as a community to express first love to him in, in a very tangible, intimate way? Because uh, I have done a lot in the name of loving God. I've done a lot for God, but, but like to really love him, to really adore him and to set uh, an environment where that's the premier value, mm -hmm. the core value, yeah. the distinguishing mark, that, that's what began to grow in yeah. me. So, so it really birthed a culture What an prayer. important word, core value. I know, um, you know, I'm I also not only with ARG, but I get to be a part of a great church, Church of the Highlands. Yeah. And, you know, people ask me a lot of times about Pastor Chris. And you're like, man, he's the, he's the grow guy. He's the, he's the uh, systems guy. He's the money guy. But I'll tell people, no, he's the prayer guy. Mm. Because he, it's probably one of the men, friends, men, leader, pastor that I've been the closest to that legitly prays, mm. like for real. Mm. Not just the outward, man, we've been praying. You know, we had a prayer. He prays every day of his life. It's a value 42 days for us and our, our calendar is given to prayer. Wow. Some of those days are given to fasting and we do them at the, the beginning of, of the very important seasons that we feel like there's gonna be a harvest, there's gonna be a breakthrough, there's gonna be some, some church life that's gonna happen. And, um, and I think it's been so encouraging because if, you, if you're not careful, and we've all probably been through these seasons, we can talk a good game but we're not living that good game. What I've learned from him is he's living the game that he's talking. And uh, talk to me a little bit about that, how you know, you've had to model it in your own life through small kids, mm -hmm. through uh, busyness and growing and, yeah. and, and the demands that are on you now to touch the world and to, to lead people and to be a leader beyond just the local context. Yeah. Yeah. So how have you been able, because I think that's important, how have you been able to maintain that, that passion, that priority? Right. Right, I, I, it's a daily grind, it's a daily fight. <laughs> um, it, it really, you know, something that we put before our community a lot that I think is, is a good blueprint for uh, keeping the presence of Jesus yeah. prayer before me is uh, Psalms 132, David made a vow. And that vow was, Lord, I'm gonna find a resting place for you on the earth. And so I, I, I made that vow, I said, Lord, my, the strength of my days, the, 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 the vision of my life is to establish a resting place on the earth, both, both me as a person, but then also the people yeah. that I lead, that our, our primary value is that, is, is your tangible 
manifest presence on our life. And so for me, it, it's something that I'm desperate for personally. I, I, can't, I can't sustain my walk with him without it. Uh, I, I, I redline, I, <laughs> I get dysfunctional. And so I was, just in, I was just in our Tuesday 12 to 2 prayer set. So we pray morning, noon, and night. We have, right. we have hundreds and of volunteers. And people can go online yeah, to see that? Online, they can go online, and they can also come in here. So we're, right. we're uh, in the room next door, but there were about 150 people, That's mostly amazing. under the age of 30, that just spent two hours together. That's great. And we encountered Jesus. Yeah. We, we, we got to minister to one another. We ministered to him. And so being in an environment like this makes it a little easier to keep yeah, it before yeah. us because it's the mission and mandate of our house. But, um, you know, I, 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 I need to encounter him. Yeah. I need my heart to regularly encounter him. I, I can be around him. I can talk about him. Yeah. But I know when I get crusty in my heart, and so those daily encounters, those daily uh, scheduled times in our prayer room have been uh, my source. And, and now that more people have bought into it, right. uh, it's a little easier to sustain, yeah, yeah. But, but it is a, a, a daily it's a, fight. It's a because, core value of the house. Yeah, because there's so many demands on leaders, I think. Exactly. And, and we have to protect our yes. And so I say a no to a lot. Uh, my, my, my schedule is really protected. And right. I, I schedule on my calendar large chunks of time to spend in this room or to spend yeah. you know, in private with the Lord. So, Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Unscripted. We just want to take a brief moment to say thank you to Hand of Hope, the mission arm of Joyce Meyer Ministries, for making this episode possible. Hand of Hope's goal is to simply help as many hurting people as possible. They have projects all over the world, so check out this video to learn more about what they do and how you can get connected. I'm not going to sit by while people starve to death and kids' lives are ruined. I'm going to spend my life, my energy, my time to relieve human suffering. I refuse to do nothing. I will not do nothing. Hand of Hope, the outreach arm of Joyce Meyer Ministries, has been helping people around the world for over 25 years, which means you can too. Ready to do something? How would you encourage a pastor or a planter? They got a lot going on and it, it may not be that their central or their core is the same expression, mm -hmm. but they're like, man, I want to, I want some baby steps. I want to begin to integrate that. How do you coach, encourage, inspire to say, hey, start doing this. Just start not, and not only your personal life, but Here's how you begin to lead the church in that. What would you do? What would you say to someone, right. like, you know, existing I, church or a new church? Yeah, in, in, in the context of establishing a culture of prayer yeah. or, or regular routines, I think you have to put it on a calendar and yeah. you have to show up. Yeah. You, you've got to be in the That's center true. of it. You've got to be the ringleader for it. Um, I just, in fact, our 12 to 2 sets are staff prayer sets. So once a week, our entire staff's going to be in the prayer so room. So they're all so, in there. Yeah, so yeah. about 1 o'clock, I got up and I walked around. I saw a couple of guys, you know, finishing, like our youth pastor was finishing uh, yeah, his just, youth yeah, camp. Yeah, yeah. I said, hey, bro, uh, this is priority. And so good. I'm valuing it, and I need you to value what I value. That's good, That's good leadership. And, and if they catch my vision for prayer, then their vision for their ministry fits, right. fits into that so well. But it's, it's sometimes easy to see how, how that can get out of the umbrella of prayer by just having those scheduled times where yeah. they... You may not feel like being there. You may have a lot on your plate, but this is sacred for us. This is holy for us. Yeah. This, is, this is the supreme value of the house, and I need you to carry it with me. So, so I, I, there's a lot that the upper room is doing, but I make sure that that one note is hit regularly, both in our corporate 
weekend gatherings, but in staff gatherings and my executive team with my elders. I mean, I'm banging that thing yeah. over and over and over because I know it's the grace that, that that's on our community yeah. is to build that. And so I think for leaders to understand that, the, you know, what, what is that key that they're to hit? Right. What is that thing that they're to hit over and over and over? And if they can incorporate prayer around that core value and lead out from that place, I think it'll become cellular within yeah. their, their So body it's the modeling, it's being consistent. Yeah. It's making sure that, it, that it's a priority. Yeah. yeah, and I know when we start our church, you know, our facilities were just so crazy. But, you know, we, we began to do some Saturday prayer. We, I, I started a Monday. Was this in Baton Rouge? This in Baton Rouge. Yeah. I wanted to do on Mondays because I felt like Monday, we'd come out of Sunday, we really needed prayer to get the week going. Right. You know, because the, the tank sometimes could be empty. And I look back at the different seasons of the church, and a lot of times it would flex, that would be flexible or there would shift. But anytime we would let it wane or let it dissipate, it didn't take long to realize the spiritual temperature in everything else. Wow was uh, depleted. Wow, wow, so that was a good, a good indicator Always as indicator. to, hey man, I need to put some fuel on that. And, and not, and, it, of course it's the indicator in your own life. Right. And, uh, but corporately. But corporately yeah. it becomes an indicator. Yeah. So let me, let's, let me ask you this, because you have people that are coming from all stages, and they're kindergarten Christians, or master level, I mean you have people walk into the prayer meetings that are lost, mm -hmm. they don't know God, they're hurt, they're wounded. You know, I showed up at church, didn't know nothing. I was not raised in church. I didn't have a spiritual uh, uh, pole where I could, okay, I, ca I came right. from this point. All of that is happening here. I mean, you're having people walk in that know nothing. Mm -hmm. And so all of that is welcomed and all of that is accommodated, obviously, because right. you're growing as a church and people are coming to Christ. Right, yeah, yeah. It, it, it actually, I, I didn't realize this when we were doing it, but prayer has been actually a, a, a major part of our evangelism. Yeah. When people come into a culture where Jesus is being loved on and people are adoring him and, uh, you know, worship is, is, is really agreeing with who he is. So sure. when we're telling him he's holy, when we're telling him he's worthy, uh, and there's a unified response, a faith-filled response, it triggers something in a heart. People yeah. go, what, what do they know that I don't? <laughs> what, what do they know that I don't? I, Something's I, missing. Yes, I was, and, and I think it's, I think innate to the human heart is, is we were, we were, we're in need and, 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 and when they see that expression of a love, I think it's compelling. Yeah. I think that uh, there was a man actually that sat right here at a 12 to two set, he was a Muslim, uh, doing his MBA at SMU. He had a mutual wow. friend he had a mutual friend yeah, yeah. who told him about Upper Room. He came on a Sunday. And I watched him that Sunday. I knew he was coming. Uh, and he was, it was too much. I mean, it was, it was heat. It was a lot. Worship was an hour. Preaching was an hour. And I could just see him like, oh. Well, his friend said, hey, they pray morning, noon, and night. Well, he was a Muslim. He goes, I know how to pray. Yeah. And uh, so he showed up that week in prayer. This room was empty. I was sitting over there on my computer. Saw him walk in. Didn't know he was coming. He sat down on the team was actually in this rhythm of worshiping the Lord around him being a savior. Wow. That was, the, that was what yeah, the Holy yeah. Spirit was highlighting. So they were in this flow and praying. And uh, one of my, my, my women's pastor was the prayer leader. And she, the Lord started speaking to her about him. I watched her come off the stage. She began praying for Painful. him. He fell on his knees, took his jacket off. He said he felt immense heat. And he started declaring, Jesus is my savior. Yeah, yeah. Gave his life to Jesus in yeah. a prayer meeting. Yeah, that's He's it. been attending the upper room. Yeah, the Lord can do he, it, can he? He came looking for a wife. <laughs> he came looking for a wife. He thought, he thought, I want to go to a place where there's, there's some single girls. And that's how he found out about upper room. But he ended up finding a savior. It's really been a precious story for we, us. I remember doing a, we did an early morning prayer season in, in Baton Rouge. And there was a couple that came, they drove different cars, you know this story, different cars going through a divorce. Mm. And I watched them over those, I don't, I don't remember how many days, 14, 16 days, something like that. I watched them get closer in their seats. <laughs> they kept moving closer. <laughs> and I, 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 I could call them by name, it was probably 15 years ago, but I remember, it marked my heart. Mm. And again, there was not a lot of preaching, there was not even a lot of worship. It was mainly prayer and just encounter God. Wow. 
And and again, and people were doing it in a diff, all different ways. Yeah. You know, in their in their different you know ways of, of you know that South Louisiana Catholic and everybody trying to find God. And those last three days, sitting by each other, last day praying together. Wow. And you watch, and that was just the presence of God, restoring, healing, doing what He can do. Because the Holy Spirit can do it. Mm. And the Holy Spirit can do it with with us or without us. Yeah. And we see it all the time in, around the world. And, uh, and that, that's what I love about, you know, what you guys are, yeah. are building and, yeah. and your, your heart for people. Yeah. Because we, we've had those conversations. And um, t- t- uh, tell me a little bit about the worship, what's happening with the worship. Because it's neat how God has raised up the sound. Yeah, for and sure. And he's given you a sound that now goes beyond just this, these walls. You know, and the, other people are now getting blessed by it. Yeah, the history, the history of that is for in those in those beginning stages. I told you it was an unconventional church plan. The yeah. Lord, the Lord was really clear not to mark the upper room. So we called our church the upper room because that business owner who invited us to host a prayer meeting there, uh, he called it an upper room. It overlooked downtown Dallas. It was on the <laughs> second floor. So logistically, yeah, it was yeah. an upper room and. Not People, a lot of branding there. It yeah, just no, it wasn't. I don't know who would name their church Upper Room. It's it, the, the historical pressures on Pentecost oh, wow, Sunday, man. Wow. Holy Spirit better be there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're promising a lot. Here you are, man. So every year we got that Pentecost Sunday. In fact, I took Pentecost Sunday off this week, and I told my associate, I said, good luck. Yeah, um, yeah. But it was, it was just logistically. It was an upper room. It yeah. was the best description for it. And uh, he said, don't mark it. He said, I want you to pray and I'm gonna bring my people here. And so in that, that formation, cool. I, I felt like we weren't to do media. We didn't have a website. We didn't do podcasts. We didn't have cameras, video yeah. stuff. We didn't do that for, that was 2010. So we didn't do that till 2000, end of 2016. Wow, it's six when, years. Six years. Just us. It, that church, it, the church was like a speakeasy. Like you had to know someone to find it. It was, it was really unique and, and it actually kind of, it kind of worked yeah. in the city because testimonies started going out about these people praying in the homosexual district of our city. And so, again, unconventional, just our story and how it worked. But the Lord was forming something in those beginning stages. And so we had young people that would come to prayer meetings on Friday night, Saturday night, just saucy, man, like, like presence of the Lord. And they were learning how to host him, how to, how to engage him, how to, how to move with him. And at the end of 16 on to 17, I felt the Lord, uh, well, he spoke to me through a friend. A friend had a, a word for me, which he hadn't had a lot, but he said, I, I felt like I saw the Lord putting an HDMI cable in his mouth. And I think he's ready to speak through the upper room. And he's going to use media to do it. Wow. And I thought, I thought, man, that, that, that hasn't been our history with him. Yeah. So Lord, you're going to have to, you're going to have to confirm this. And um, in prayer, I felt like he gave me a strategy. I felt like he said, I want you to put a couple of cameras in the room and just record everything. And then when, when there's you know, those saucy anointed moments, uh, take those and put them online. And, and the idea was kind of an IV drip. Ah, uh, gotcha. Like yeah. drip moments. Yeah. And I was reading Eutychus. You know Eutychus? Oh, yeah. I love that story. I love that story. Young love Eutychus. love that story. He falls asleep while Paul's preaching, which gives me great hope as a preacher. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He fell asleep Paul's yeah, He falls yeah. three, three floors. That's right. And uh, Paul goes down and raises him from the dead, brings him back up. They take communion, and he goes on about his day. But I felt like there were a number of Eutychuses that have fallen out of the church, the yeah. window seal of so culture. Good. And I, I thought the strategy would reach the, those that have left the church, young people especially. And if we just put these moments on YouTube, we'll see what the Lord does. And to our surprise, uh, the first and second one just went bonkers, went wild. Yeah, that's and, so good. Uh, and so we, we became the upper room. Internationally, people began to know our worship through that. But we've kept that strategy before us that probably once a quarter, we release moment albums that are just moments from our prayer room, from our weekend services, that sometimes it's spontaneous, sometimes it's songs that people will know, but the ones that have blessed us, we feel like they'll bless the church at large. And so it's been cool to see how this has been a source for the church and just refreshing to them and uh, just a, a slice of our culture. God, we are the just and we will walk by faith. Lord, we move from faith to faith, hope to hope, strength to strength. 
those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength in him. And we declare a fresh wind upon your people, oh God. We are your people, God. You are our shepherd. And Lord, you are tending to our hearts this morning. We are not in a hurry. We acknowledge your presence in this room and that you are tending to our hearts. Here we are, God. Tend to your garden. Tend to the hearts of your people, Lord. Where worries of this world, where concerns of this age have crept in, would you uproot those weeds? We are people of promise. I love when we were, we were hunting that day, and you, you're a good shot. Is Am I? Uh, yeah, I thought you were. Am yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. You're an athlete. Come on, you're an athlete. Come Bro, on, you're a ball player. I felt like I missed every bird you, I shot What position in baseball did you play? Center field. Because you had speed, yeah. you had wheels. Well, you I could was, move. I was slow, I still run lanky, well. but I would throw my body anywhere. I was kind of <laughs> kind of like, yeah, it, it, it worked. But it, it worked I, I wasn't you. the fastest guy. Well, you could cover ground. You could cover <laughs> some could ground. I could cover some ground, and I would throw my body but anywhere. You were, but what I loved about I came on to my wife this. I said, you know, I so enjoyed, you know, hanging out and talking to Pastor Mike because it's like this thing's happening. God's blessing it. People are getting blessed. It's, uh, there's a ripple effect that only the Lord could do. But it, it's not like it was your identity or you were owning it as if, yo, check me, yo, check it out. Yeah. I'm right here. Yeah. I'm kind of the kingpin, <laughs> you know, because that can happen. That, that happens. And sadly, so that yeah. happens. And uh, I just I admire that. I honor that. I thank you for that. Mm. And, and you could see that in those that are on the team. Mm. You, you, don't, you don't sense... Uh, when I've watched or engaged online, you don't sense the peacock on stage or anybody trying to be, man, right. check me out. Where's the right. camera? How, do I, how am I looking over here? <laughs> you know, and because and, that's just, that's not Jesus yeah. uh, at all. So uh, thanks for keeping that. Thanks for guarding that you know, and to, stewarding it. To get on a stage nowadays, uh, you spend oh. a year in the prayer room. You spend a year serving. Wow. You spend a year in an empty room learning how Everybody to minister needs to, hear that. to the Lord. And then you might get on the stage. Yeah, you yeah. might be asked to do it. Uh, we, have a, we have a really deep bench of worship leaders sure. and musicians now just because of the culture. But um, something's forged, I think, in, in empty rooms. Yeah. Something's forged. You know, we, we, uh, we had a, a young lady that was, she was up. She was up for a Dove Award. She wrote... Uh, I mean, just it was a spontaneous song that was put out there. It's a, it's a long story that we want to get into here, but just notoriety came her way. Yeah. The Lord put the spotlight on her. She wasn't looking for it. And uh, I was uh, in this room. It was empty. She was on that piano. She didn't know I was in the room. She didn't think anyone was in here. She was bawling her eyes out as she's just worshiping the Lord. And, and I thought that, yeah. that's why the Lord put such a grace on you yeah. and highlighted her heart. And she's kept that posture. And I think some of those, those first-gen worship leaders who are still leading prayer, still going hard yeah. after it, have really, have really set the, the tone yeah. for us. And uh, because it, you know, influence is such a bait. It's such an, it's such an idol to, to, to become something. It'll to, pull you under. Yeah, and, and, and if that's the fruit of you being intimate with the Lord, good on you. But, you know, there's a lot of people that are influential for him but man, I question if they're intimate with him. Yeah, that's great. And I think, I think influence has to be birthed through intimacy. It, it's not something we ever sought out to achieve. It's actually been a cross that we bear. Yeah. I, I miss those days when we didn't have cameras everywhere. Right. But uh, I know that that was the mandate that he gave us and kind of the, the, the horse you, that gets you to the, the, the ball, what's the saying, yeah, you know, yeah. what, what is it? Uh, anyways, what, what got you to the dance keeps you there. Yeah. And I know that, I know that the influence of this house wasn't because of my gifting, my vision, my skill. Yeah. I know it was the Lord's leadership. And you can, you can sense I'm that. I'm really confident in yeah. his ability to lead me as a follower. If we, and if we stay in that place, there's no telling what the Lord will continue to do. Right. That's even beyond what we could imagine. Right. 
in, in impacting lost, hurting humanity, building the Great Commission out across the world. I mean, all these things that, are, that we're passionate about, that we're all about. And, uh, you know, my wife is a worship leader, and I met her when she was young, and there was not a lot of girl worship leaders. You know, this was in the late 80s. Yeah. And uh, so we started our church. She's leading worship. Were you now, preaching? Uh, I was preaching. She's leading worship. I was preaching. Two single, and, uh, single worship leaders. Uh, yeah. Then we got married, and then and then uh, we started awesome. our church. And she, we did acapella worship for the first six months. Come on! I uh, grew up Church of Christ. Uh, yeah. And we, I get acapella We were not. Worship. Church, we, it's not because of Church of Christ. You just said that we were so small. <laughs> <laughs> and so I tell church planters it was, and it was bad. Uh, but my wife could sing. Okay. But, you know, I, I get to the point of. I never forget years later, you know, when Darlene Chet came on the scene, mm -hmm. and it was like, wow, so refreshing. Mm -hmm. You know, Darlene, who to me is, at least in our generation, you know, she's kind of a little bit of a, a mother of worship, mm -hmm. sure. you know, and you know, and you can always see that in her heart. You could, in her heart, it's always just been people love God. You know, every time I've, we've ever been fortunate to be around her, mm -hmm. you don't sense anything but a love for God, a humility which is so encouraging. And I know that the, watching your team and being around here even today, you can sense that because, you know, you, you, sometimes it boils down setting up chairs. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's boiling down, hey, we got to go out in the parking lot. Somebody needs a parking place. Yeah. You know, it, it still is all about all that. Yeah. It's about getting people in here or there's somebody in a wheelchair that needs a little assistance. Can someone help her? And that's all of us. Yeah. That's not, a, a, that's everybody. Yeah. And, and I think that's the king. That's what makes the, the local church so amazing is we're just all in it. Yeah. We're all in yeah. it with people. Sure. What would you say to a, a young staff person who feels like they, they're not getting their chance, they're not getting noticed, they're not, they feel forgotten, mm -hmm. and maybe even moving in a little hurt. Now they're feeling a little hurt. Now they're a little disconnected. Now they're... Now they're, now they're not trusting him. We, we're living in this world right now right. where a lot of people hurt, man. A yeah. lot of hurt people. What is your message to that? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Don't hold back. I, no, I, I, I see it all the time, and I've been through it. I think we've yeah. all been through it. Um, but what I, tell, what I tell young people, especially guys in their 20s, early 30s, that are carrying a promise from the Lord but not seeing it fulfilled, maybe feeling overlooked, unseen, that I have a phrase, your seeds have needs, and that need is soil, that, that wow. you're called to plant those seeds in a community, in a soil where you can grow those seeds. But man, in order for a seed to grow, it has to die. And so if they're feeling those wow. things, if they're feeling those things, they're, they're probably dying. And that's a good thing. Yes. Like, like in my 20s, I was at a church. I got hired at a church that had, that had, it was I a love church old of Christ. church stories. Church of Christ. Church <laughs> oh, of Christ. And yeah. it was actually, you were with uh, Toby Slough recently. Yeah. So yeah. it was a part of kind of Toby's yeah. group. There was some, out, yeah. yeah, there yeah. was some, some, awesome. some churches that came out of that. But this was probably the most conservative Church of Christ. And I had a, I had a relationship with uh, one of the matriarchs there. And, and my dad was an elder in the Church of Christ. And I wanted to honor him. So I went to work at a church, it was 40 people, I think, when I started. 40. And then four years later, I think it might have been at 80. Like, it, it was a small church <laughs> yeah. the whole time, yeah. the whole time. And I constantly was like, Lord, <laughs> do you see me? You know, like, like, do you see me? I, I miss, you know, there, was, there were seasons where I was miserable. Oh, yeah, exactly. I was just like, man, I've, I was feeling this calling. I'm called God to more than this. And I felt like he said, I don't want you to, to send a resume out. Don't pursue an opportunity. You just, you blossom where you're planted and I'll find you. I'll, I'll, I'll transition you. And I am so grateful for that season so of, of death. And again, our seeds have needs. And I needed that personally. Um, and eventually Lord called me out of there. And, yeah. and the journey's been beautiful. But, but I, think, I think if you feel like you're dying, you probably are. Yeah. And you need to. And he, he works well. Holy Spirit does his best work with dead things. <laughs> That's right. And, and I think we, we need to learn to die. And, uh, and I think those, those, those soils are actually, uh, it's, it's a beautiful process if we'll embrace it. Yeah. And, and, you, and, and you think about it. You, I, I talk to a lot of planters about when you go into a city, you know, honor. There's great churches. Yeah. I mean, Dallas has great churches. Great churches. You're fortunate. I've been around some of your friends this week. 
phenomenal people here, great pastors. And, you know, and, and that is a big, that is a huge uh, value, honor, honor. You're not the only one that's ever done this. Right. It's not, all, you, you know, when anytime I sit with a planner and their first word is, we're starting a church because no one has. Well, well stop, 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 stop. Right. No one ever in the history of the church has whatever you're about to say. How have you taught that to your team? How have you kept that where, hey, let's honor. We're not the elite. Right. We're not the best. Right. We're not, you know, we're special under the cross, right. but we're not better than anybody else. There's other great churches in the community because people come and go. Mm -hmm. people, tra people all of a sudden love you one day, then love another guy. Come over here and tell you they're leaving a church because yeah. they don't like that person. Now you're their guy. We've all, we all go through that. How have you maintained honor and how important is it? Yeah, I, life flows through honor. I think honor is crucial. Um, we, I, I think knowing you know, knowing your calling, knowing, knowing who's leading you, knowing why you are at where you're at. Uh, we're, you know, Jesus said, follow me, follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men, but follow me. And I think, I think tethering ourselves to the Lord's leadership has been uh, something I've attempted to model and communicate with our crew over and over. We have a, we have a rich, kind of prophetic history is what I would sure. call it as a community. So we talk about that a lot, about our story. To, to know what has made us us, it, it, it then helps us to honor other people that, yeah. are, that are unique and different and maybe have a, a, a different emphasis yeah, a in the different kingdom. bent. Right, right. Like I just met uh, Pastor Earl. Oh, okay. Him and I had lunch the other day. Earl McCallum, and, uh, yeah, Onika, yeah. Yes. They're in this season. And we're, in this, we're in the same city and we attract a lot of the same sure. young adults. And, I love what oh, they're leading man. in the city. It is so different than what we have in the culture that we have. But man, I was telling Earl, there, there, there are, there's 8 million people, I think, in the DFW area. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's growing. And, and what an honor to partner with him to reach millennials and Gen Zers. And I have so much to learn from him. I was asking him a thousand questions about how maybe I can adopt some of his skills and things he does much better than I do. And I think iron sharpens iron. So yes, I think we need amen. to learn from one another. We yes. need to humble ourselves and realize, hey, we do have something to give, but we have a lot to receive. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I think, I think culturally you, you, uh, you run into that, especially in a city like Dallas where there is a lot of transfer growth. And, uh, and so we, we ask people all the time, why'd you come here? How'd you get here? Did yeah. you exit well in your last church? That's you didn't, well, you need to yeah, do that. Yeah. And so uh, honor, honor is, is something I think that's... that's uh, when we started, when we were young, you know, somebody would come from another church. We'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, they're, they're grown-ups. They, they, they may tithe. They actually have a car, <laughs> you know, because we were just so young. And then later on, when I experienced the pain of someone leaving me and looking at me saying, this is our last Sunday. We're going somewhere else. You're not feeding us. We don't sense. It changed everything because then every person who would come to me and say, we've left that church to come here, immediately I would begin to feel what that pastor could be feeling. Mm -hmm. And so, you, uh, you know, we, we begin to operate from that place other that, and you approach it differently, right. you know, for, for what that pastor could be grieving. Right. You know, it, I guess it's awareness, right. trying to be aware of where you're at, what you, you're doing. What are, you, what are you real excited about right now? I know you have school of ministry, uh, the things that are happening through, uh, of course, the distribution of the sound, the values, the heart. What, what, what's really exciting to you right now and what do you feel like the next couple of years could be like? Right. We're, uh, we're in the process of getting a new building, which wow. is amazing. It's just south. Other Earth. location, main location. This will be the main location. Okay. Keep it, this? Nope. We're going to okay. move from here. Re relocate. Relocate just south of uh, downtown. It's probably, wow. probably two miles from here. Okay. And uh, we've been in the process of <laughs> doing this new, it's, sure. it's an existing warehouse, but it's going to be, I think around 70,000 square feet, which will give wow. us ample room. Yeah. Uh, we have a space issue today. So I'm excited about the potential of reaching a demographic in our city that not a lot of at least churches like ours are reaching. And it's sure. the South side of yeah. Dallas. Dallas is pretty segregated North and South as a lot of cities are. I really feel like it's going to be a bridge between, um, predominantly African-American, Latino community, and, and then North Dallas is predominantly white. Yeah, so sure. my hope is to, to build a table, extend a table, and That's see cool. what happens. We're already fairly diverse now. Right. We, have, 
we, we, we've had a significant impact on South America. Like most of my staff is, uh, is Latino. Like yeah. everyone's English is a second language. And so we've done some, some Spanish projects, some Spanish albums that have actually been phenomenal. I don't understand any of them, but, <laughs> but, but, but it's good. Yeah, we, we have a, a, my friend Marcos Brunet, who's in Argentina, just a big apostolic leader there. We've connected with him and, and just seeing the footprint of our culture and DNA really impact uh, South America. So I'm excited to wow. see what that looks like to house it. We've, uh, we've started to do some Spanish uh, uh, initiatives, ultimately going to have a Spanish service. Wow. So really excited about the opportunity to become even more uh, diverse uh, just within within the local context. So that's yeah. that's what I'm excited. Then I got my first book coming out. Uh, I haven't written a book. The Lord's been on me since 2017 about writing a book. So His House, His Presence, it's out August 22nd. So it'll, Oh, so it just came out then? When August. This, when, yeah, when August this, 22nd. Yeah. When this so, shows, it'll, oh, it'll just come yeah. out. Yeah. Well, yeah. good. We'll make sure. How do they get a hold of that? Where, where, do, you, probably, where do you get the resources? And like, uh, they want to, I know there's the, uh, to, tell a bit about how do people connect. Right. So uh, our YouTube channel is a great way. Um, okay. We do, we stream prayer every right. day. So it's live prayer sets that are happening in this room. So a lot of pastors that I know of uh, engage that, like doing sermon prep or whatever. It just kind of sets yeah, a, a cool environment for them. So uh, streaming and then Spotify and all those, we, we have a lot of uh, albums, different things like that. Um, and then the book, I think it's going to be on Amazon. I'm yeah. not too certain. I've never what done is that the, What before. is the, the, the line of the book? Like, here's what this, here's how this book helps you. Yeah, it, it uh, my hope is to inspire pastors maybe to think differently about the church. Yeah. Um, I think we have been so driven by reaching people. Yeah. And, and I applaud that. Uh, but I, I think that the church primarily should be a resting place for the presence of God. That, that it's from that place that, that we reach people. And so I just want to encourage guys that, that we can build churches to attract him. Yeah. To attract his presence. To attract him and to establish resting places. Uh, and so it's a lot of my journey and a lot of those core yeah. values that have made this that. Uh, and I think it'll encourage some, especially yeah. guys that aren't maybe in the stream that I'm in. Right, yeah. Maybe just there's some some, it'll some help revelations wait in the water. and tools. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I got to spend, uh, 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 something happened and somebody said, what would you like? I said, I'd like to spend a few minutes talking to Max Licata because he's wrote about a zillion books. Yeah. I think everybody on the planet has read a Max Licata book. Yeah, Church of Christ guy. Yeah, and, and, and I got to talk to him on the phone. And it was like a bucket list. I mean, it was just like, because he's so yeah. gracious and full of God. And, and I asked him, I said, why do you write? He said, uh, I only write to help someone. Mm. He said, why would I write a book if it didn't help anyone mm. for the cause of Christ? And I thought, man, that's, you know, you don't write it to be known. You don't write it to, you know, to try to do this and that. And I just loved his heart, yeah. you know, about, and, and it's the same thing you're saying. Cause you, you know, and talking about that idea, I am grateful that I was not, I wish I would have been raised in church for a lot of reasons, but there's some reasons I'm glad I wasn't. Cause I've never had a conflict between God's presence and the move of God and the, and the, and at the same moment reaching lost, broken, traumatized, addicted, jacked up people. I feel no conflict in those moments because I saw no conflict in that with Jesus. Right. It's like, you know, it, 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 Jesus was going in this direction. Person calls out, he connects. I believe, as you're saying, you can have both. I believe we can have the presence of God and the presence of wounded humanity. Yeah. All in the same spot. You know, I just see that in Christ. You know, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think it. I think that he is uh, the great evangelist. He's the great evangelist, and so his presence, his 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 drawing near is under that. Um, so I, I don't think it's an either or. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that there's there's um, you know I I have just seen us do a lot for God. Yeah. yeah. My, my conviction is that, that loving him, Jesus was asking, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Yeah. He said, it's to love the Lord your God. Love him. Like, to love him. And then the second is to yeah. love your neighbor. And so to me, I do see a primary, a primary sure, commandment sure. to love him. 
And, and like, I love my wife. I love her. She's not in this room. She's not here. I can tell you about <laughs> me loving her. I can tell you, you love about that me girl. loving her. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to honor her when I'm not with her. I'm yeah. going to do things for her. Exactly. But, man, loving my wife, it, there, there's something. There's, it looks like something. Yeah. It, it looks like That's something good. with her. Yeah. It looks like something with her. And, and I, I, I just feel at times we do a lot for him in the yeah. name of loving him. Sure. But, but there's a deeper call for the church in first love and loving him. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in, in the book of Revelation, he told, uh, what was it, the church of Philadelphia, that he, they lost their first love. Yeah. I haven't read it in a second. But he said, he said this, oh, what, what great heights you've fallen from. True. And they had, they had forsaken first love. Yeah. And, and I don't think they knew it. And, and I probably think, didn't. No, we, we, we need a strategy for loving him. Yeah, it's and good. So, and, and I do, though, think that the first is under the second. I think it's going to be a natural yeah. overflow yeah, in yeah. that. But, uh, but so I, I just my conviction is, a, is, is what does first commandment look like corporately? What does first commandment look like for us to do um, strategically? Yeah. So that's kind of, that's been our DNA and our, our, our rhythms here. I love it. Uh, so I don't think I it's an it. either or, uh, yeah. um, but, but I do, I do feel tension in it yeah. as a pastor. I do. Yeah. I uh, see it. I, I, I feel I, tension. I feel it. I see it. I, I'm around it because I'm an outreach guy. So a lot of times you could, you could sense both sides of that tension. There was a lady that, uh, I met that was at our church and we were in a neat season. You know, not every season is, is a great season. That was one of the good seasons. Right. <laughs> and, right. And God was moving. Right. And it was one of those ones you just cut on the lights and they're good church yeah things are going well yeah, yeah. it was easy and she was um a i mean came from a devout background catholic and i could identify with that my, I was, my dad was an italian catholic and um i watched her soak in god's presence mm. for for a while and i'll never forget she came to me one day and she, there had been this door open for her at the um, radiation where people are getting chemo and radiation. And she was walking through that a little bit. And um, God began, and I never will forget what she She said, the closer I get to God, the more I soak in God. She, she, used, I, she would use that expression. I'm like a sponge in here. We'd get done with church, she'd stay. She's a little short Cajun lady. And, she, and I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, the closer I get, the more full I get, the more compassion I have right. when I'm not here. And, and, and I think that's been the, if I had a message of my life, it would be like, you, you gotta be, we need to be so full of him, mm. so full of him, so, so in his presence, so, so much immersed in God's presence because there is such broken humanity yeah. all around us yeah. that are addicted, that haven't been sober in years mm. and they're waking up tomorrow morning and they're wondering, why am I even here? Mm. And that little Cajun lady taught me. And I'll never forget seeing in, in her, I saw both. Mm. But you said, it's not either. That was probably one of the first ladies I've ever seen both mm. in. Come on. And it, would, and it moved me. And yeah. I'm her pastor. Yeah. There'd be some days I'd be like, baby, you won't, you won't leave this church. <laughs> Let me go back over here. Come on. Let me yeah. go back over here and park some cars. I know those ladies. Yeah. And yeah. So it's, I mean, it, it, I guess that's why I just love the church. Yeah. We, I love, and we, I love leaders. We, uh, we, in those early days in Oakland, so, uh, you know, we're in this, this post-Christian, yeah. people are over the conversation of Jesus. Um, we, we started, our church started to take, tra uh, take traction and we had elders and we're flowing on a Sunday night, but uh, every Sunday annually was the pride parade. So you had, you had a block away from where we were meeting. Goodness. You had, 15,000 people coming down and I mean it's it's a sight to behold we had windows all around our church at the time and so people are walking by some people would come into the service not realizing it was a church service and uh, this specific Sunday night uh, this this man was kind of hovering around me wanting I could tell he wanted to talk to me but there were people around me and so I said hey man come here well, what's up what's your name and he said well you don't know me I said I know I don't what well, who are you and he tells me his name and he says, you need to know my story. And I said, okay. He said, last year I was, I was in the parade. Participating. He was in it. Yeah. 
And I didn't know this, but pride, pride parades have a pageant. They have a, a drag queen pageant deal. It's a yeah. contest, cash awards, I believe. And cash money. Yeah, he, 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 had, he, had a, he had a name. It was his livelihood. Was he was he was a drag queen and he yeah. would travel from city to city. But but get this: a couple months earlier, he had an encounter with the Lord, sovereign encounter. He'd grown up in the church, was kind of wounded, yep. and uh, and he got born again. Just got born again, supernaturally. Reached, reached out to a friend, so he reached out to a friend, and his friend said, "You know, there's this church that's <laughs> in Oak Lawn. You should check it out." Yeah. And so he's telling me the story this night of the Pride Parade. And he said, you need to know that I'm a part of your church now. I love it here. And I said, well, hey, what have you experienced? What have you experienced? Yeah, I need to know that. Yeah, because he'd been coming for a couple of months. But that specific night, he wanted to tell me because it was a pride parade. He said, well, I sit in the corner and you guys start singing. And when you guys start singing, I feel like someone starts embracing me. That's powerful. He said, I don't know if you have a program for someone like me, but you need to know that I'm a part of your community now. And I said, Yeah. yeah. I got a program for you. You just sit in that corner. <laughs> Stay in that and, corner. And he started attending prayer sets. He got discipled. He's wow. now, he's now, uh, he's now a very vocal guy about uh, what the gospel has done for him yeah. and his transition so out of that community. It's what the gospel powerful. has done. Yeah, it's it works. Beautiful, beautiful. It so works. That's was, one of my favorite testimonies. I was talking with Jimmy Evans this morning, and he was talking about the power of the gospel. And how, you know, there's times he'll teach on the end times. I mean, it's intense. Right. It's all, he's all up in it. But while teaching on it, a marriage gets healed. Mm. Uh, a, 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 a teenager gets delivered. And it was like, and it affirmed to me, and that's why I love talking to all kinds of leaders. I love talking to you. I, I love the body of Christ. Right. I mean, I, I love the body of Christ and how he uses all kinds of people. But it's like, man, the power of the gospel. Yeah. Stick yeah. to the gospel. Yeah. You know, these young church players, you'll talk to them and they're... they're or, you know, preaching. What about preaching? I'm like, preach the Bible. Gospel. Just pre- do the Bible. The Bible works. Preach the gospel. <laughs> it, I mean, if, if it's a bad Sunday, just read your scripture. <laughs> That'll always work. Just yeah. read the scripture yeah. and say amen. Yeah. It, the gospel works. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's complete. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I, that's why I just love uh, I, I think, the body of Christ. I think one of the things the Holy Spirit is doing right now, and, and I think Gen Z is extremely responsive to it. We, we, we have this event called Gen Z for Jesus. We got these TikTokers that moved from California to uh, the upper room. And the, during COVID, they were, they were wow. the great Texas. You got yeah. a bunch of Californians Texas. that moved here. <laughs> I've and, never uh, heard that expression. Well, they're all moving to Texas. Yeah, uh, all Texas. Yeah, I and like so, so uh, uh, they showed up and, and they have been, they, they pivoted. They were in high schools, but they got on TikTok. And so a lot of the guys that you say, don't scroll, don't scroll. I want to tell you about Jesus. A lot of, a lot of those influencers have been wow. part of our community. That's incredible. And so we decided to uh, have a day for Gen Z. Gen Z for Jesus, what we called it. We got the arena in Frisco. And we saw 7,000 Gen Zers show up from 10 a.m. to 10 I p.m. that we was worshiped. something else. But it, it, was so, it was so raw and gritty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we didn't announce a name, a speaker. We right. just said, Gen Z, these influencers, hey, come to Frisco, come to Frisco. And we preached the gospel. We, we preached the gospel. We preached it a couple of times. <laughs> and the response, the response to the gospel, it, it, they, they were salivating for it. They're, they're looking for a cause yeah. to give their life to. And we just need to present it clearly, present yeah. the person of Christ, present the call of Christ, teach these young people to die, teach them to surrender their lives. And I, I, think, I think they're looking for permission to do it. Yeah. And, and they don't need a lot of bells and whistles. Yeah, right. And I think the Holy Spirit's power washing us. I think he's yeah. just removing phrase. the makeup and the things that phrase. we put on the That's bride good. because there's this beauty that only she has. Yeah. And I think this generation's really looking for yeah, that true beauty. It. So we're doing Gen Z for Jesus in LA at Angelus Temple. So oh, Matthew Barnett's man spot. Barnett. Yeah, we're doing God, it September night. Great room. September night. And 9th. it's a great spot in the city. I mean, people everywhere. Come on, September night. God, so, that, that'll be neat. Uh, in September, it's going to be September. Gonna be I'm going to ask you what I asked uh, Jimmy Evans. Oh, great. And uh, can no, you, you got this. Can you, you play, covered it. play this first, and then Jimmy <laughs> Evans? But I just ask him, and, and, he, and it's, <laughs> it, it's. I bet you're going to echo. I can. I can hear the echo now because you hear this from uh, every leader I'm around is hearing, is saying about the same thing. 
I better get about, this right. About okay. So, <laughs> what do you what do you if if a pastor, a church leader, youth pastor, college guy, church planner? Because we, we love those. We are that. I plant a church. You, you plant a church. Um, y y y there's a lot you can do, but if y what are three things you, you got to get right? You got to get this one right. What are the three things you got to get right? What did Jimmy say? Well, no, I want to hear what you say. <laughs> the three things a church planner got to get right? What do, you got, what do you got to get right now? Yeah. What is important to get right? We talked about... As a pastor? As a whole, when you said the word power washing us with things. Yeah. So what are some things that are left that you better, you better keep? You better be doing these things. Well, I think it starts... For me, it's my marriage. So, okay. So I can go personal first. I got to... I gotta have a healthy marriage. Okay. I, I think if, if your marriage isn't healthy, your church isn't gonna okay, be healthy. Okay, Jimmy said that. So I need to have a healthy marriage. My my wife is my first ministry. Yes. Yeah, so my wife is my neighbor. I'm gonna yeah. love her as I love myself. So I, my my marriage is the priority. My kids uh, is the holiest of holies of so my good. leadership. Um, and then and then from there. Uh, things seem to fall into place. But I think, man, I think the Lord is uh, just really simplifying things. So I think it's got to be simple. I think as a leader, simplify. If things get complicated, man, as it says in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 11, where he says, I'm afraid some of you have been deceived as Eve was from the simplicity and purity yeah. of devoting yourself to simplicity. Jesus. And so I, I think I think we've got to uh, to get back to the main thing. I, I think I think Jesus, the presence of Jesus, it's not peripheral. It has to be central to all that we do. So, so the gospel, uh, and I, I would I would even say I don't know if Jimmy mentioned uh, the hour that we're living in, but I think I think the end times are becoming more and more important. I don't think it's it's charts and timelines. I'm not going there. But I do think, I do think. I the, did a few charts and uh, did you? back in the late 80s. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we had. <laughs> Man, I, I get lost in those charts and yeah, timelines. But, I, did, I did too. But, but the come Lord Jesus cry, the, 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 there's a coming king who's returning. Yeah. I, I think there's sauce on that. I think the Holy Ghost yeah. is really, really igniting the bride's heart. You know, yeah. as it says in Revelation 22, that the spirit in the bride say come. Um, so I think, I think that uh, equipping people for the hour that we're living in, not being afraid of some of these cultural landmines and, and issues from uh, sexuality, uh, gender issues. Politics, yeah, I, everything. I think, I think we've got to hit that stuff right, yeah. right in the nose. And I think the gospel is sufficient for it. Um, Amen. So, I don't know, simplify, keep your marriage yeah. integrous. You right, you right those, there on it. Those times. You what, what, now tell me what Jimmy what, said. But I want to tell say something. How, how is even was. Earl and some other conversation I've had, Pastor Chris and I were talking the other day, and he was like, said the same thing, man. It's not about more. It's about really less and him. You know? And Jimmy said marriage. I mean, that's, you got to have your marriage right. Yeah. And he said, hey, the gospel, the Bible, power of the Holy Spirit. Need the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't have church without the Holy Spirit, yeah. and and so it's got to be the center, the Bible. You know, don't confuse people. It doesn't have to be cute. It doesn't have to be trendy. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have to be. You know, not everything has to be sticky. Mm. You know, it, it, it's just clear, mm. simple. And then the other thing he said was, uh, in times, he said we cannot be afraid because at, at the end of the day, the end times. Is about us meeting Jesus. Yeah. It's the hope. It's yeah. the promise. Look up. Yeah. Our redemption draws nigh. He says, so as a young pastor or as a young communicator or even a young preacher who's just now navigating those waters, mm. don't do it with fear. Right. You know, and, right. and he says that his goal always when he teaches the end times is to leave the people comforted. Mm. Comfort each other with these words. Mm. I and I, I thought, man, that, that gives me encouragement. That. Gives me hope that I could, I could dive into yeah. the book of Daniel. I could, I could unpack yeah. the book of Revelation think, with that thought. I think as pastors, one of the challenges right now, uh, Jesus said in Matthew twenty-four, describing the yeah. the signs of the times. The, I think the times we're living in. He said, many will be deceived, mm. many will be misled, and I think we've got to get millennials and Gen Z rooted in the biblical narrative Amen. because they are constantly confronted with a cultural one.
And there's a war right now, the biblical narrative or the cultural narrative. Yeah. And so we need to give them a root system. What does the Bible say about some of these issues? And not, not, not be confusing about it. Be clear, be, be very clear, be very direct. Um, and, and I think people will respond to that truth. They need that truth. As pastors, we're gonna be held accountable for presenting that truth. And so I, I think deception is, is rampant and sometimes it it's just because we haven't, we haven't been clear enough. We haven't, we haven't been vocal enough. And I'm not talking about online. I'm not, I'm not looking to pick a fight, but I am, I am looking to lead <laughs> sure. a family. Yeah, exactly. I wanna lead That's a family. And, yeah. uh, and so- That's a good motive uh, though. Uh, it's, it's to lead the a family, family, not yeah, the fight. It's to, it's yeah. to pastor. Yeah. I, a lot of the stuff that we say that would, uh, you know, get us canceled, we're, we're not shouting that from the rooftop. Maybe we will one day, but right now I feel like I'm to shout it in this room so that this so community is clear yeah. about what the Bible says yeah. about those things. So as a pastor, I really want to shepherd that crew. Yeah, I was, there, there was a guy that came to our church and I loved it. He owned a bunch of restaurants. Like I, if I, if, I won't say the name because he owned a bunch of them in Louisiana, a bunch of them. And he had probably lived every experience you could imagine, had every toy, mm. had everything you could want. I mean, uh, he had the toys. He had so many toys, he'd park them in his yard. People would go by there and just go by his house slow to see all of his boats oh and his God. cars and his trucks and his toys. And he would come to our church, sit in the back. Like what you were talking about, the guy, your buddy was sat in the corner. And one day he stopped me and he said, and we had, we had had a service and I, I think it was one of the one of the times I'd, I'd preached on the end times. And again, I'm not an expert. I'm, I, you know, I only know a measure of theology right. in this area. I'm doing my best. And, but I, I gave it all I had. I gave it everything I had. And sometimes you do that and you feel a little inadequate. It's like, man, I, they, they probably should have watched somebody else today. Maybe, you know, maybe. <laughs> but I remember he stopped me and he, and he was older than me. And he said, I got a lot going on. I got a lot of pain in my life. I've not lived well. He said, don't let up, mm. don't let up. He said, I'm not living everything you said, mm. and I got a long way to go, but do not let up. Wow. And I thought, man, that's coming from someone who's broken, somebody who's half lost, I mean, still messed up. Mm. But he's telling me, don't, don't back off of it. Come on. Pour it on more. Right. And, I, and what you're saying about Gen Z and the millennials, you, you feel that from them right now. Mm. Give me the truth. Give me the whole counsel. Let's go. You don't, you don't sense that, man, we want less, we want, let's, let's go lighter. You, you sense that when I'm talking to college students, I get to still, the old man still gets to preach to youth. It's like, man, you, you go man, all in. We, we have, speaking to that, our Sunday night service. So this, this room holds about 800 and it is wall to wall, standing room it. only. We have a uh, overflow that's yeah. usually full. The service starts at 5 p.m. on a Sunday. There's a uh, a line, the line starts at 3 p.m. <laughs> so there's, there's about 200 people in yeah. line by four to get into this room. And that, that service, <laughs> this last Sunday, it lasted three and a half yeah, hours. Yeah. Three and a half hours. Good. Three and a half hours. Yeah. And they stayed. Yeah. Because they're hungry for more. That's it. They're hungry for more. Yeah. And I think we owe it to them yeah, to give do. them more. Yeah, we do. And, and so that, that may not transfer, you know, translate yeah. to everyone listening, but I just think that- But the principle does. They're the hungry. does. Their, their yeah. cultural Christianity is not gonna sustain us. Yeah. Checking a box is not gonna sustain yeah. us. It's not. It, and it really never has, if you think about it. When you go through the storm, you go, through, true. The, you go through the pain, your family falls apart, it's exposed quickly. something happens, yeah. you get a bad report, it, it, it doesn't, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it better be real and, 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 and have the roots. But um, uh, man, I appreciate it. Man, I've enjoyed. I, I call it unscripted because I didn't. I, you I don't love know it. one question that's coming it. your way. I, and you're gonna ask me Jimmy Evans three points. You crushed it. <laughs> you crushed it. That's why I started with marriage. That's marriage on the rocks. He's the marriage guy. He's the marriage times. guy. He's the marriage guy. And I but, couldn't figure out the third one, but yeah, no, all that's, the, I all love the episodes Jimmy. in, in this in I this adore Jimmy season is unique and, and I'm, I'm enjoying it and I hope other people enjoy it. But the, the thing that I enjoy the most is getting to spend time with leaders that I yeah. admire, leaders that I respect. Mm -hmm. And I respect you, I admire you, I thank God for you. I think what you're doing and what you're about and your team, and uh, it, it's a gift to the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. I think you're a gift to the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so man, I just, I just really appreciate you. Likewise. And thanks for spending a little time. Thank together. you. Thank you for what you're leading, the way you're impacting cities. It's, uh, it is, 
I've, I've gleaned so much from my ARC friends. I have gleaned so much. Their value for the local church, their values for systems, some of the systems that we've adopted um, are, are, are touching lives. So thank you, man. It's an honor to be here. Unscripted, homie. Well, what a great episode of Unscripted. If you want any more information on Pastor Michael Miller or the global ministry of Upper Room, visit www.upperroom.co. And also, if you're interested in learning more about art or planning a church or partnering with us in some way, we would love for you to visit our website at artchurches.com, and we would love to connect with you. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode of Unscripted.